All right. Well, First Timothy chapter six, and uh, I will again. I'm not going to take a lot of time in review. We haven't gotten very far through the text itself, but hopefully today we'll put in a little bit bigger gear and move forward a little quicker. So we we've, we've been talking about con, um, <clears throat> contentment trumps covetousness. We've saw that contentment verse in the first point. Contentment trumps trumps covetousness is the point of the first ten verses. Point A: We need to be content to serve, and so we talked about verses one and two being content to serve talked a lot about servants and masters uh, point one was be content to serve where God places you uh, point two was uh, be content to serve who God wants you to serve point three was be content to serve how God wants you to serve uh, and then uh, we left off in the middle of that point and we picked up there last week and didn't get as far as I wanted but we made it to the end of that the fourth point God gives dignity to servants and that is where we we left off. So tonight we're picking it up in verses 3 through 5. But let's go ahead and start in verse 1, read down through verse 5 and see how far we get. Let us as many as servant let, I'm sorry, let, let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed and they that have believing masters let them not despise them because they are brethren but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit these things teach and exhort if any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even to words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which he is according to godliness, he is proud knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strives of words whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth. Uh, supposing that gain is godliness from such withdraw thyself. But verse 6 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. And we'll, we'll get to that as we continue on. But I'm going to stop tonight in verse uh, 5, unless uh, we have time to go further, but we probably won't based on the clock. So point B is be content to separate. Right? So this is going a different direction. We went with people who can't separate. Right? They're servants. They're bound. And, we're, and Paul's very clear about how to handle that matter. And I've, I think I've covered that pretty thoroughly in the last few weeks. So now we're talking about uh, the issues of separation, a good old Baptist tenet and doctrine. Uh, historically, Baptists are separatists by nature, which is why America has a uh, Bill of Rights, so that we have the freedom to honor God in the way we feel our conscience needs to honor God without being imposed upon by the state. That's where the separation of church and state comes from. One of the proponents, I'm not trying to get political, but that's a, tr- a fact. Madison was a, was a, a big part of that. But also, before Madison, um, one of the issues that was being worked out in the colonies uh, with the congreg- Congregationalists like uh, um, Jonathan Edwards, they, didn't, they weren't Baptists by any stretch, but they were working out the false doctrine, the Calvinist doctrine of how the church saves you through baptism and covenant theology that didn't work out biblically as they understood uh, that there were so many unregenerate people in their congregations because they weren't born again. Right and and started trying to work that out as you know obviously in the new world the Church of England uh, you know didn't have nearly the influence that it did in the old world over in England and uh, and of course Rome which is a, which they even considered to be a harlot you know wasn't an option so working out how to do church you know local New Testament church was some of the things that was being worked out in the colonies here. Uh, way back when, uh, and separate, separate, uh, the separatist type of uh, mindset uh, was a part of that, uh, and uh, which also that's a kind of an Anabaptist tenant as well, not just uh, Baptist so to speak. But getting into the back to the point here, uh, 
we got to be content to separate. So what's that all boil down to? Well, it boils down to the freedom to obey the truth. But your first point here is be content to separate from false teachers, right? Verse 3 through 5 is what we just talked about. There's these of the of perverse dis- disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth. That's pretty strong language. Supposing that gain is godliness from such, withdraw thyself. So, um, so we see that today. It's running rampant. It's uh, all over the world. The doctrine is, is terrible in Africa, um, and it's typically among poor people that people are preaching that gain is godliness. And and so, it's a terrible doctrine. Uh, we call it the prosperity gospel today, uh, and it's very alive and present even before the Lord comes. So, if a man is professing to be a brother and acts more like Caesar than a Pauline servant, then it's time to put some space between you. Uh, if you can, and you can in America, so uh, and so that is one of the things that that uh, Paul is is saying is like if if any man verse three teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and of the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, and doting about questions and strives of words whereof come envy, strife, railings, evil surmising. I mean, he doesn't want you to put up with that, um, and so you you will know. There needs to be a separation when you see their actions. They teach principles contrary to the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel, is what verse 3 says. So contrary means against, right? It's the opposite of. And so um, that is something that you can't, uh, you know, we don't want to put up with. Uh, They are proud. They're doting specifically. So they're teaching bad doctrine and they're proud, doting about questions and strives of words, causing envy and strife, railing and evil surmisings, perverse disputings, men of corrupt minds. Right. So they, they don't really know what they think they know. They know nothing as they ought to know, as uh, Paul would say to the Corinthians. From such, withdraw thyself. Okay, so here you have the the, uh, the permission and even the exhortation at the end of verse 5. Get away from these rascals, right? Withdraw thyself. Proverbs 14.7 says, Go from the presence of a foolish man when thou perceivest not in him the lips of knowledge. So upon the authority of the word of God, Paul is saying, get away from those rascals. You don't have to submit to that. And I think we've all probably been around people that put guilt trips on you or even in ministry. It's no, you know, Jim Jones was the prototypical uh, example of a guy who just brainwashed a bunch of people, and we use the term "drink the Kool Aid" because of that guy, and that's terrible. But when you, they, there were people trying to get away from him, and they couldn't. That's how evil and wicked he was. But, but there are, you know, there are people that will misuse and manipulate the people with the word of God, and Paul says, "Don't put up with that. Get away from that." And by the way, Baptists are notorious for this, so it's not just uh, something that happens somewhere else. So you do have to be careful, um, because there's always wolves among the sheep. So uh, point two, be content to separate from false teachers. So some of the things that we got to be content to do <clears throat> is, uh, is just obviously serve with submission and humility and all those things we've been talking about, and equity. But also, when we see something just amiss... Man, you got to be you got to be content to, to separate from that. Um, he goes, don't put up with that. At the end of verse five, from such withdraw thyself. Now he doesn't say dust up a storm and cause a problem. He just says get get away from that. You know, get away from that. He he doesn't say defend the faith and you know, obviously we're to defend the faith, but you don't want to you don't want to cast pearls before a swine or answer a fool in his folly. So there is a, God, a lot of discretion. 
Uh, and this is serious business. And so, uh, if you're not, if your head's not covered, then you need to get with someone you can trust that can help make decisions like that. If things like that are going on, so the false teachings these men leave behind is simply that gain is godliness. <clears throat> gain is godliness. Uh, again, you can see this so clearly in our culture today. It's easy to see in the prosperity gospel where there are men I could give you names I don't really need to tonight you could you can turn on your you know TBN or whatever and just see one charlatan after another both male and female teaching the same doctrine um, at the end of the church age that Paul was worrying about at the beginning of the church age that gain is godliness and that is not just to, to knock prosperity gospels though I am knocking prosperity gospels that's false doctrine I, I called out Benny Hinn Benny Hinn was over in Overland Park here a few months ago well a few now a year ago or two and uh, and I and I did post something on social media about it, and man, did I get a bunch of feedback, you know? And man, the the the, the things those those uh, I hope their brothers were saying is just like, man, you you should not touch God's anointed, and you shouldn't say this and that, and you know, and all that. And I'm like, hey, listen, this guy's a false prophet. He's a false teacher, and I wouldn't and I wouldn't say anything if he wasn't in Overland Park, Kansas. These are people in my own neighborhood um, that are falling for this hogwash. So, um, so I did. That's one time. When I actually did kind of get into it online with some people in a nice way. I was obviously they were actually very nice to one another, but I wasn't about to yield to Benny Hinn, you know, because he's exactly the he is exactly what this passage is talking about, <clears throat> and um, uh, and so. Uh, but even beyond that, when you look at the the more wicked aspects of Rome, Rome is also um, a system that teaches gain as godliness. They are covetous in that they have taken the promises of Israel and literally uh, take on the, the inheritance of the nation of Israel. Um, and so that is exceedingly wicked. And uh, with that also is the the fight, you know the riches, the gold, the silver, the literal riches. That's what the Crusades were about, and so on and so forth. So, so this is a, this teaching is kind of you can look at it in a very practical, uh, micro level, kind of what you see in in America, what you see really just you know proliferated all over Africa, all over Asia, probably in Latin America as well. Um, it, wherever there are poor um, economies. The prosperity gospel just flourishes. Uh, ironically, you would think, well, they're poor. Why would you know, well? Because they want to have financial success. So it's a it's a carrot and a stick situation. And so they're fleecing the flock of people who can't afford to be fleeced. It's very sad. And uh, when you go to places like Zambia, that is the number one um, the number one you know issue is not Calvinism, you know, and a false teaching of Calvinism. The bigger issue is prosperity gospel. That is the biggest issue. Same thing with India uh, and places like that. That is that is much much more of a concern at this time. Probably Latin America would be the same way um, than uh, you know dealing with the nuances of Calvinism, right? So uh, that is a big deal. So uh, we all think of prosperity preachers when we think of this passage, and and of course plenty to cho- there's plenty to choose from. However, I think we need to consider what we replace God with, right? So the admonition of Revelation three to us right in verses 14 through 22 is is not that is, is not that they have too much it's just they misplace the true riches and so really that's 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 part of the problem is it's it's not having too much stuff it's misplacing right having a, uh, not appreciating the true riches appropriately and that's the thing we have to really watch out for so uh, you can you can we can uh, we can uh, we can without going to a prosperity preacher 
uh, we can sit in a very orthodox, Bible-believing, local New Testament church somewhere and still, in our hearts, covetously say gain is godliness. Right? So it's not just for the false, you know, the charismatic word faith preacher, you know, prosperity preacher. We often think that because we have health or wealth, uh, that that is the blessing of God upon us. And uh, falsely then, if you don't have health or you don't have wealth, or you come up into hard times and things befall on you, then all of a sudden God's not with you. Uh, and I'm not talking about charismatics. I'm not talking about anybody. I'm talking about, I'm talking about people in our own church. Well, that is a bad doctrine. Because, you know, uh, God is God and He's good. God is good all the time. And uh, we're not owed anything, but we got eternal life no matter what happens. Now, obviously... God's blessings. I just was praying. It's a blessing to have Ron up here singing. It's a blessing to have a building. It's a blessing to have stuff. It's all blessings, but <clears throat> um, that doesn't mean God loves us more than our neighbor who doesn't have those those things, right? And so having a proper estimation of the true riches, which is the word of God and the souls of men, is ultimately uh, what's important. And so we can even have misplaced priorities right here where we live. <clears throat> and so uh, I think we, especially in our culture, that's something we all have to you know, at times we have to appreciate that, yes, we can get caught up in this, not so much because of bad doctrine, but even maybe it's just covetousness of our own heart. But certainly we don't want to find that mixed in with our doctrine. So uh, there must be times when we get honest and look honestly at our churches and our lives and determine if we value the true riches, right? So you don't want to see people as resources and nickels and noses, right? So every person equals so many dollars, equals so much this, because we got a plan to do that. And uh, then now obviously those are important things to, to know, uh, you know, to be good stewards of the resources, human and otherwise. But at the end of the day, <clears throat> the souls of men uh, are the priority. That's one of the reasons, frankly, I don't know who gives what in the church, so I don't actually have to conflate that. So I, tr- I'm ju- I try to be as just as I can because, frankly, it might affect you if you know that someone's dragging everybody else down and they're taking a lot of your time. <laughs> they're like not contributing anything to the body financially or in any other way in service, you know, and you're over there trying to help them. Well, so I don't know. I just like I just try to treat everybody the same and let God sort it out, right? So part of that is so we don't get into the, you know, gain is godliness concept, right? And, and so there's very practical ways that this can kind of creep in subtly even to people who understand the doctrine properly so we have to be careful not to think just because people fill our services that god's pleased i just said this at our update a few weeks ago i do believe heartland's healthier now than we were seven years ago seven years ago we had a lot more people so having more people doesn't make you better right doesn't make you healthier you know having more fat doesn't make me healthier all right sometimes i need to trim the fat to be healthier and so health is not necessary and there's and by the way conversely there's nothing wrong I've seen this go the other way. People are like, oh, that church is too big. They must be, you know, they must be compromisers because it's a big church. Not necessarily. Yeah, sometimes that's the case, but don't presume just because a church is large that they're compromisers, right? Um, I don't think Charles, uh, Charles Spurgeon was compromising uh, back in the day at the uh, in in London. Um, I forget the name of his church. Yeah, Metropolitan Tabernacle, right? Yeah, he's a pretty orthodox preacher, pretty good preacher. Perhaps God just was blessing the guy. He's a pretty, I mean, God just has a good hand on him. So, so don't assume that because it's big, they're they're compromised. They're you know, conversely, just because it's big, don't assume that God's good hands on it. Which is sometimes you know we can be beguiled like that as well. Um, so 
what Paul said is, hey, I don't really care why they preach. As long as they preach the gospel, people will get saved, and that's what I'm concerned about. And we'll let God sort it out. We've got to be careful. We've got to be careful with being uh, you know, too judgy about both of those things. We cannot assume just because people are showing up to a place that God is happy. And I can attest to that personally. Some of the most, the biggest dysfunction I've seen in churches is sometimes when they're the most happening places in town, including this one. And so, uh, there's, you know, the next thing you know, somebody's cheating on their wife, their husband. I mean, just crazy, sinful stuff is happening. You're like, whoa. Uh, where did that, that come from? Because people are people and sin is sin. So just because 70,000 people meet to worship at the Chief Stadium, right, doesn't mean make Chief Stadium a holy place. <laughs> Right, so uh, there's a lot of problems at Chief Stadium. Namely, we're not worshiping Jesus there, so uh, that's the biggest problem. So uh, that just means seventy thousand people need to get saved if they're not saved. And uh, and so when you see false teachers who teach gain as godliness, just simply withdraw thyself, go the other way. That was easy. I got through that quickly. That's I usually take longer. So contentment trumps covetousness, but can be content to serve, be content to separate. And then lastly, let's look at verse six. Uh, but godliness with contentment is great gain, uh, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after uh, have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. <clears throat> And that's as far as I'm supposed to go. And so, as we look at this passage, point one, be content to seek God for biblical motivation. Right? That's really what you see in verses 6 through 7. Or 6, uh, yeah, 6 and 7. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And boy, what a motivating factor. We brought nothing into this world. It is certain we can carry nothing out. I mean, when we're young, we work so hard to get, get, get stuff. And then the older you get, the more you realize, I just need to trim, trim, trim. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need, yeah, I don't need all that stuff. I ain't going to take it with me, right? No one's ever, you've heard the saying, nobody's ever seen a U-Haul going to the funeral home or going to the gravesite or what have you, you know. So, godliness with contentment's great gain. If you have a little or a lot, be content with the one who provided it and live a life that honors him by walking in the Spirit, right? So today there's a lot of people wanting to do minimal, minimal, minimalization, right? And having a mini house and mini this and mini that, almost to an extreme. But it doesn't matter whether you have a little or a lot. The issue is be content. Godliness with contentment is great gain. What's important is is the inward man, our orientation toward God first, and everything else will take care of itself. So God gives us practical motivation in essence, just saying, you can't take it with you. I mean, through Paul, he's saying, just know, you can't take it with you. So don't get too caught up in it. A wise Christian has read Matthew 6 and is judiciously traveling through this world as light as possible. The believer should look for ways to reinvest God's resources uh, once the basic needs of food and clothing and housing are met. And, and so that is really a heart check. You know, how can we intentionally bless the Lord? I think in this church, we really do have a lot of people who are actually of that mindset. They really do believe in blessing the Lord with ever, all their substance and, you know, living off of the balance. Uh, whether that's 90% or, you know, 70% or 50%, whatever it is, I do think God has blessed our church with people who get it. You can't take it with you. I'm going to invest it in eternity. Praise God. That's that's a, that's awesome. And that's truly the way it's supposed to be. So there's nothing wrong with having a lot of stuff as long as you're leveraging it for the kingdom of God. I know very... 
I don't want to call them wealthy, but people who are very well established financially, I'll say, that leverage their resources for the kingdom of God. And uh, and there's times privately, I may, I may, there may be projects and missions that, that are not something suited for the this congregation, but I, those people are willing to invest uh, in in this project because they can. And they got the resources. And so I'm like, praise God for that. And they are doing things in the kingdom of God that, that frankly, not very many people can do. So I appreciate that. So there's nothing wrong with having a lot of stuff as long as you're leveraging it for the kingdom of God. The reality is all of our earthly possessions are going to burn. And so it's how we use them. So, um, uh, you know... I saw a news uh, article one time about kids who purchase vinyl LPs, which many of us, well, we all know what they are, but the young generation doesn't. Uh, they say that it's because they want stuff in their hands, right? They want to have something that's in their hands. That's human nature. But the spiritual man replaces the need to have something in our hands uh, by desiring uh, to have everything that we are and own in God's hands. So there's kind of, as we mature, really as you look at the seven stages of spiritual growth, that's actually what you see is a transformation from as we get saved at first, we don't understand those principles as much. And as we grow spiritually, the more we're willing to open our hands and put everything, including our life, in God's hands. And that's ultimately what... That's really what ministry is. It's not as it is about us serving others, but in the process of serving others, we learn that we can trust God with our lives, and and so there's a process of learning to be content, right? Godliness with contentment is great gain, and we realize, you know what? We really can't take anything with us. So the more we allow God to use us and leverage our life for His kingdom, man, that is such a good investment compared to wasting all of our time, which is the most important thing we have, chasing after treasure that's going to burn. And that we can't take with us, right? So it's just a, it's kind of a it's just a logical math equation if you think it through. But you can only come up with the right answer when you factor in the the variable of faith, right? If you don't put faith in that variable, it doesn't work. That's why lost people can't get a hold of it. You can only get that variable to work if you have faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You got to believe God, right? And you got to believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Believe is the key word. right? If you don't believe that God is a rewarder, then you won't act by faith. And then that equation doesn't work. And Well, whether we act like it or not, we will think in our heart that gain is godliness. right? And so it's all up to us and how we really seek, where we seek contentment. And so it won't work without the word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we can face anything if we realize, like Job, that we came into this world naked and we'll leave it naked. Think about that just on a practical level. Job, who was a very wealthy man, was able to handle the most severe persecution because he, he didn't just say, oh, well, you know, easy come, easy go. I mean, he really meant it. I came in naked, I leave naked. You know, he, he contextualized it. God brought me in as a baby, naked to the world. I'm leaving, I'm going out. They're going to bury me out here. I'm looking for the day for the resurrection, which he also spoke about, right? So he had a long-term vision. <laughs> he understood the process of life. He knows you come in. He had all this wealth that God obviously trusted him with. God took it. He's like, hey, blessed be the name of the Lord, right? He wasn't caught up in it. And there's a lot of great things that Job can teach us about this subject. And so lay hold on eternal life. Um, now, in verse 7 of the text, before I go too far, it says, For we brought nothing into this world. It is certain, right, when you're doing that math equation, it is certain we can carry nothing out. So that sum does get balanced out. 
Take the sum of whatever it is, whether it's dollars, whether it's houses, whether it's whatever it is, you know, and then just say, okay, and then uh, divide that by zero, and it's zero. <laughs> right? It's gone. It's over. It's missing. It's gone. It's absent. Uh, or, and so... Um, it's it's gone and you you've missed it and so it, it's it is an equation it is certain that you're not going to get out of here with it so um, and naturally people start to realize that even lost people I think the older they get I watched uh, Steve Jobs and I think he he started real before he even I maybe had cancer already but he said some pretty profound things as he was getting older in life and I think even those guys realize that you know what all this is a charade you know with all the technology and all of that they didn't even let their own kids use the technology they were inventing that that should tell you something so um so lay hold on eternal life uh is what paul will tell us uh timothy in verse 12 right if you just look down to verse 12 he's like hey get a hold of this fight the good fight of faith lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Get a hold of it, son, because that's what you need. So be content, uh, point two, to seek God for biblical consolation. And so we can move to verse eight. And having food and raiment, let us be uh, therewith content. Right? That's where you're going to get your consolation. Be thankful for what God has provided. And I say this to everybody because I say it to myself, uh, you know, because you got to be thankful for what you do have instead of what you don't have. And that's that's easy to say, but this is harder to do sometimes. So this is something that many of us have not faced, but some some of you may have faced having food and clothes and just being content with that. Um, and so, right now, Doug Howie, his church is meeting um, uh, nowhere. They don't know where they're going to meet. They're meeting house to house, right? Oh, will Doug be content? Right now, that doesn't mean you you want to do that forever. But this week, that's what God has. So be content that you have a place to meet if you have a place to meet. And uh, God will bless you uh, in due time by God's grace. So we live in a great country that helps provide for food and shelter. There, you know, we have people flooding the border, and, and we're, not, you know, we're not just shooting them at the border. We, we still take care of them because that's who we are, even if they're illegal. So there's places all over this earth where the ravages of sin leave people physically and spiritually naked and starving. So be thankful that you can, um, you know, you can walk over to the common grounds on Sunday morning, and grab a cup of coffee, right? You can, in America, man, it's it's still I mean, this is a land of plenty. You got homeless guys that live better than people that work all day in other countries. So I mean, it is a it is a nice place to be. Be thankful for that uh, because it is the blessing of God. Uh, and so those are God's blessings. Point three: Be content to seek God instead of falling into temptation. And that's that's the key. But but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare into many foolish and hurtful lusts, verse 9 says, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And so being rich is not a problem. Being weak to temptation that uh, accompanies it is a problem according to verse 9. So when when I was a little boy, I dreamed of being wealthy. I mean, uh, one of my most affluent relatives was a beer distributor. And uh, I was it's funny, uh, I was just thinking about this today, cause I, or yesterday, I saw a Lincoln drive by. And, man, I loved getting in his, uh, his Lincoln. You know, he was a beer distributor and a bar owner. 
And uh, man, he'd come up, and we would have so much fun. With, well, he's my grandmother's brother-in-law. I'd be at my grandma's house, and he'd pick us up in our Lincoln, and and he would take us out and on the town and have dinners. And he was just a big, of course, everything you know, pinky ring, big heavy set guy, funny, <laughs> jolly fella, fun to be around. I enjoyed I enjoyed being with with him, and I enjoyed the the big ride that he was in, and the and the gold rings he wore, and the chains, you know, and all this stuff. And I was just like man when i grow up i wanted to i like that yeah but you know thank god for unanswered prayers you know uh because you know what that's nothing praise god for the prayers that god refuses to answer and and keeps us from temptation delivers us from evil that would drown us in perdition that is the wrong spirit. God didn't want me selling those spirits. He didn't want me going into the, the, the liquor distribution business, which I seriously considered um, when I was younger. I thought that would be before I got saved. I was I actually had that as part of my agenda. I was like, well, if the, that's always, you know, there's a lot of need there. Everybody's always wanting a keg. Everybody's always wanting, you know. And I'd go down to we where we used to buy kegs, you know. I'd go in there and look around. I'm like, this looks like a good business. And, man, what, you know, even after I was saved, I was on an airline uh, flight to florida one time i was behind a beer distri- a big distributor it wasn't just a local and it was more of the regional and i was looking at his spreadsheet over his shoulder and <laughs> i was like holy moly i'm talking millions of dollars in that business it is a lot of money and so uh praise god i never got into that business because that might have just drowned me in perdition yes sir <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that would be the cannabis store. I, I was just I was just reading uh that Missouri is one of, is leading the way on that and the east side of the state in particular. And that's the kind of same business, you know, it's the same thing. I hate to see the state of this state in the next uh, 10 years. It's going to be nasty. But uh yeah, well, that's our job is to deliver something better. Right. We instead of delivering distilled spirits, we got the Holy Spirit, and that's what God wants us to get out. We have to really pray for all the health problems that are going to come about because of marijuana. Yeah. Yes, I'm very concerned. I, I, and and the the really another really scary thing is the synthetic uh, stuff that these kids are taking because it's 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 not it's not your it's not your grandpa's weed. It's not some ditch weed. This stuff is, uh, the I think it's K10 or whatever, 9, I don't know. They got numbers by them, but it's genetically modified THC. That is, I know, I don't even have to know anything to know. That's not going to be good. Uh, people ingesting those chemical versions of THC is just going to, it's probably going to cause cancer and who knows what other kind of side effects. And it's, it's a, I already know some people, um, I won't say names, but people who are afflicted by this and uh, it's causing the opposite. You know, everybody thinks they're going to get high and be cool, but actually it's causing anxiety and all kinds of other problems and, and uh, paranoia. And so it, you know, drugs do what drugs do. They alter the state of the mind and it's not healthy. So, 
Uh, amen. Amen to that. Uh, it's a, uh, so let me finish this up, guys, because we're running out of time. It's a gifted believer. Uh, it is a gifted believer, and there are some who ha- have the wisdom to handle God's blessings, right? So God does bless his believers. And, and, uh, and sadly, many cannot handle wealth, and it hurts them, uh, not because riches are bad, but because our sinful nature is bad, right? We're, we're not walking in the Spirit. So many misquote First Timothy 6.10 to read that money is the root of all evil. My brother-in-law used to say that. Uh, it's not. It is not money. It is the love of money, right? So where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If you want to see where someone's heart is, just look at what they give their money to. Uh, you know, just look at their bank account. Where are they spending their money? That will tell you where their heart is. Is it on something other than the things of God? Obviously, you need to eat and take care of your house and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, where is our resources being spent? And so, um, and so, uh, one of the reasons I don't think I don't take a, a, a look. I already mentioned that. Moving on. So Paul says the problem with man's sinful nature. Uh, is not money itself. There are some who through covetousness pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Uh, so you will remember that Barnabas was a man who could handle wealth, right? He was a wealthy man, and he laid his gain at the apostles' feet out of a pure heart. Ananias and Sapphira, on the other hand, they lied and said that they did the same thing, but they really kept some back. If they would have been honest about it, there wouldn't have been a problem, but it wasn't that they were... They were. I should have used them as an example this morning. They were hypocrites, right? They were showing on one hand that they were giving all, but in reality they were holding back. And so the problem was not keeping some back. It was that it was their their property to to keep or give. It wasn't that God was going to judge them by holding some back. He judged them because they pretended to give all when they weren't. They were liars, and they were lying about how much they had give. So they had given. So the problem with money is not money. The problem with money is man's heart. And the desires uh, that we des- <laughs> the man's heart desires it like a, a drug to use it, you know, uh, as a way to meet the needs of the soul. At length, it only fills up the flesh, right? So we we take and we and we use finances uh, in whatever they in whatever form they may be to try to fill up our soul. And I don't think. I hope my family, that my mom doesn't hear this, but <laughs> I've been, I grew up with that, you know, uh, going to the, where we were on the weekends was the lake. And by the way, I great memories. We had a great, we had great family time. So I do have a lot of, some of my best memories with my dad were fishing at, down at the Osage River and stuff like that. So I'm glad we did all that. So I'm not, I'm not angry about it, but I will tell you, going to the lake doesn't fill up your soul, you know, and, and uh, it just doesn't. The only way to reconcile all of this is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was 30 pieces of silver, uh, the price of a slave that was used to sell Jesus, which, I, by the way, I just wrote a blog piece on this this week. I just hit it in Numbers, or uh, no, Leviticus, on the, on the uh, uh, Leviticus 24 on silver. Silver, was on, it's only mentioned a few times. I, it was, I was surprised how much it wasn't mentioned, actually. Uh, and it's dealing, it is always dealing with redeeming people. And so 30 pieces of silver is what it took to, to sell Jesus, the price of a slave. Of course, that wasn't his value, um, for, for we can never put a price on Jesus. That was the price uh, of us, right? And that does bring me full circle to where we started. Remember where we started in, in uh, 1, Timothy chapter, um, 1 Timothy chapter 6? Let as many, of, as, uh, as, uh, let as many servants as are under the yoke... Count their masters worthy of all honor, that the name 
of God and His doctrine be not blasphemed. Let's face it. We are servants, and we're His servants. And we live in this great paradigm where we have the freedom to bless Him. Right? And so we should. We should. Man, I hate to say this, but if you hear me say the same thing Sunday night, or next Sunday at church, (laughs) just act like you weren't here today, because this is kind of the message I need to be preaching. (laughs) Yeah, when I do, I'm going to do a financial, yeah, I'm going to do a financial charge next week. So this kind of goes hand in hand with what I'll probably be saying. So I may have to lift some of this and reapply it, uh, because it's the kind of stuff that, yeah, God needs to remind all of us of. So be praying for next uh, Sunday morning. Instead of uh, kind of we wrap usually wrap the message around the Lord's Supper, which I will do in some way, um, which maybe even you know this is the where I'm going to charge you know just the church to be faithful in in giving of their life, their talent, their time, and their treasure because I do I try to do that once a year. I'm not always successful at that, uh, but I, I'm going to do that. And then instead of uh, having a nine o'clock meeting, which nobody shows up to, we're just not going to have nine o'clock. And we'll do the financial update the following Sunday night on the 5th of February. Lance will bring that. Yes, ma'am. I have something. I was going to say, I lived in a very small house in Guatemala. And when I came back to the States to be with my parents, and, and after they had passed, and the house is huge, and I was really almost cursed God. Why do I have this huge house? Why do I have this much? Why, 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 why? And then one day I was walking through the house and he said, God, I'm sorry. I should bless you and say thank you for where I live now rather than curse the fact that I have such a big old place to live in. And, you know, I was able to bless the people from Monmouth several years who stayed with me. One time I think I had eight people staying in the house because, you know, it could have that many people. And I got to have the painters. Yeah, you led a painter to Christ. I let God (laughs) bless me through blessing Him with making the house available. Amen. And so, but you know, it just was a change of thought, you know, because my God, why am I cursing the fact that I have this big place rather than then use it? Thank you and bless you and have you bless me through it. Amen. And He has, and He will. Well, you've been a real blessing with your home. I appreciate it. So, uh, God's preparing you for your mansion. That's just a, that's a, just a small place compared to what you got coming, Sharon. So, uh, so praise the Lord. So, you'll have, He's just getting you ready for someday when you, you say, "Man, Lord, wow. <laughs> it's bigger than the church building." <laughs> so, praise the Lord. That's good. All right. Well, we're gonna. I don't have prayer pieces tonight, unfortunately. I'm sorry. You don't have Jamie tonight. So, pray for you. Um, and so uh, we'll break it up. I'm going to be moving to the uh, conference room with the deacons. So, Jeff, are you coming to that meeting? Okay, so pretty much the men will be departing. So you ladies, close it down. You all can turn the lights off before we'll the take care of the lights. Yeah, we'll take care of everything. So you can just depart at your convenience after, after you pray. Bobby Blaine on Tuesday, she has her knee surgery. Hmm. Yeah. So Bobby Blaine... And then, um, Carl's, uh, Carl Blandon's surgery went good. Good. And I was told that it was, uh, it was much, I guess it was much riskier than I realized. So I did not know that. So we need to praise the Lord for that. Tomorrow starts his radiation on Thursday. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that comes with 
Matt and Kim. Yeah. You, last thing you said was that she had her gallbladder out. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Uh-oh. Who's that? Uh, Brendan and Amber. What's his last name? Anderson. He's the best friend of mine I grew up with. They got married last year. Uh, she got pregnant thereafter and uh, found out she was a kidney failure. Um, she's diabetic. She had a double transplant, pancreas, kidneys, and then has been in and out of the hospital since. And they thought it was a gallbladder. Okay, I'm still not helping to figure out That's terrible. And they have a lot of things. Just pray for that couple. There's just a lot of compounding. I wish that was all they were dealing with. <laughs> so I'll just leave it at that. They got more than that to deal with. So it's a very stressful situation for a young family. She's fortunate she had her child and everything came out okay. Oh, good. That's a blessing. Yeah, so, uh, rem- yeah, remember them. Uh, I'm not going to get into every name, but just be in prayer for... We have a lot of lookers right now, a lot of people coming in and checking us out. And, and uh, you know... And the body seems to be, you know, there for him. So let's just pray that God draws these people into his perfect will and and uh, gets them in the path of righteousness for his namesake. You know, that's really what we need. And so um, if you know, I got a list of names, but I'm not going to list them all off. But there's uh, several coming to the church. One of them, I saw, um, uh, Christopher, is it Christopher or is it uh, Dominic's? Yeah, she came back again today. So that was good. And uh, she, we probably need to pray she gets saved, don't we? Yeah. I don't know too much about her yet. Right, yeah. yeah. Honestly, as she came out the door today, she seemed a little, like, freaked out. Hmm. So, FYI. Maybe in a good way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you know how it is. You can look in somebody's eyes and see. And it was, it was, it was different. So, the first time I met her was, you know, just kind of, yeah. today was different. Yeah. So hopefully she's thinking about some things. Um, and we'll be praying for her to get saved. Yeah. Yeah, Justin and Kayla came back. We were we were just talking about that couple and just we were praising the Lord. Yeah. They dropped them off, and the Barneses were talking to them. Yeah, and were you part of the uh, IGO meeting? Yes. Awesome. So the IGO meeting kind of pulled them in a little bit. That's good. Yeah, that's a blessing. Well, praise the Lord. Well, good. Well, I'm, I apologize. I don't have all the prayer pieces. Um, we'll, uh, we had a really busy week, so the admin probably couldn't get them all pulled out. So um, we'll, uh, we'll pick them up next time. Um, anything else, Jeff, that we can remember? We had a list in the other room, but... Um, that's everything I got for now. All right, well, let's pray, and then we'll pray. There's obviously many things. A lot of prayer team meetings going on. Oh, the Jalowicz, they are departing tomorrow for Texas, and so they'll be moving on. They're on a, they'll be doing the same thing down there with networking with churches. and I think they're going to be doing that through March, and then they'll be heading home, and, uh, and heading home to Zambia, that is. So I don't know how much she talked about during the ladies' conference. Um, I heard great things about the ladies' conference, by the way, so... I pray whatever seeds were planted there continue to, to go forward and grow. Um, but uh, just since this is Sunday night, I wouldn't say this on a Sunday morning, but 
just be praying for Jan and Dan, especially Jan, as they they're going back without their daughter this time, and that's that's empty nesting in a foreign country. Yeah, it's a very difficult thing for missionaries to do, especially missionaries with that many kids and grandkids. Um, uh, and so, and just from listening to Dan, I can see he's committed, you know, to going forward with the mission and so on and so forth. So I praise God for that. But I also know, you know, just really how hard it is, not in a physical way, but in an emotional way to, to leave your family in the States and go back to Zambia, um, with all your grandbabies and to watch your, your daughter, you know, and I mean, we all do it even when we're here, but it's different when you're a missionary. Um, and so you can't just get in the car and drive four or five hours and see him and even hop on a plane that quick to get home. So, uh, it's, it's difficult and a, a lot of life's in the, if another decade passes. A lot of life's going to go by and their 18 year or their 19 year olds going to be 29 years old. Right. And you know, grandbabies. And, and so that is very hard on a grandma. And uh, so just be praying for them in that regard on a very personal level. Yes, ma'am. Could, we, could you uh, tell your, those who have given the announcements? You know, the bulletin is there. A lot of people don't read it until maybe they get home or even maybe they don't ever read it. But anyway, like when the, we have a prayer meeting for a missionary group, like today we did the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. And I was hoping that Bob would say something today, you know, their meeting, so that those who didn't really know it would say, oh, yeah, i got to go. Yeah, I, I should have put that in the pastoral highlights, so I, I, it's partially my fault, because we highlight certain things every week, and I actually thought about that when I was looking at that, of doing that very thing, so you just confirmed that we should do that. I, you know what I thought to myself? I thought, well, they got the bulletin, and they can read it. Right. <laughs> Well, I know. We do know. I do it when I first get it. 